everyone. I'm Grace Beeson, and this is the Because Why Not podcast, where I help you to love your life just as it is. I'm a mindset and relationship coach, a 20-plus year wedding planner, a mom of two young boys, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a friend, and a relatable human on a constant journey of spiritual growth and personal development, all with a lot of laughter along for the ride. I'm a self-help junkie, a cookie addict, Bravo TV lover, and a former party girl committed to showing people there is joy to be found exactly where they are. Thanks for joining me. Hey guys, how are you? It's a few days past Mother's Day here and I wanted to do, well, here and everywhere, (laughs) Mother's Day, at least in the United States, was Sunday, May 10th. Um, Today's the 14th, and I had been thinking so much about wanting to do an episode on Mother's Day or around Mother's Day about mothers. You know, I've been thinking so much about my own mother and about my own mothering, and um, just wanted to take a minute to just hop on about that and and share my feelings about all that because I know that so many of you are mothers too and have so many feelings about being a mother right now and in general and um wanted to just honor this time by acknowledging that um that mother's day is a thing and it happened and it gives us all a moment to take pause and think about our own mothers and to be celebrated as the mothers that we are and so first of all happy mother's day and i know it's a hard day for so many people i know who have lost their moms um and it's a hard day for so many people i know and love who um don't have children um and wanted them um and weren't able to have them for various reasons or um who had miscarriages or um didn't have more children that they wanted to have or just all the things it's a very loaded day emotionally i find that um while it brings up a great feeling of joy and happiness and relaxation for those of us who use it as the one day of year to stay in bed or, you know, one of the only days to stay in bed in the morning, unless we're deathly ill. Um, it's also a day of reflection for so many people when they're thinking about people that they've lost. Um, you know, for me, this, this is no surprise, a really crazy time having my six and eight year old boys at home. Um, we just are finishing up their eighth day, eighth week, eighth week of schoolwork. They've been home for over nine weeks. It's unthinkable that we are wrapping up eight weeks of schoolwork at home. I remember when this all started and I thought that maybe they would be home for two weeks. And I remember just being like, Oh my God, they're going to be home for two weeks. What am I going to do? And now it's like, aren't we all just laughing at our past selves who thought that we were just going to be home for two weeks? The joke was on us. And now we've been quote unquote homeschooling for eight weeks. I use that term lightly. I have all the respect in the world for people who are properly homeschooling their children year in and year out. I've come across some of those moms um, here with 
kids on my son's baseball team and things like that. And I know that that is a whole thing that they are doing on purpose and in a very methodical way and have made it their life's work. And I have all the respect in the world for them and for my children's teachers. I mean, it is no joke, no joke. It is very challenging to be the parent and have your kids want to listen to what you have to say, much less learn from you when it comes to these subjects. And it has taken all the patience that Maddie and I have and more. We've tapped into all of our creativity, all of our resources. We have relied on each other in ways that we never would have before, you know, and a lot of good has come of it. And a lot of great has come of it, I think, certainly with our marriage and with our parenting and um, what we've learned and what the kids have learned. Um, there's such a nice breeze blowing in the trees. I hope that's not distracting. I hope you can hear the pretty rustling of the leaves. Um, but I also want to say, too, that these brilliant women and men who are homeschooling their children on a regular basis, pre-quarantine, that is their full-time job. Like, they are not running businesses or working nine-to-five jobs or building new careers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I just want to acknowledge that to all the moms, that what we have been doing by having our kids home all day, every day, whether they're babies, toddlers, early school age, like I have elementary school or middle school, junior high school, high school or college with them miserable because they can't be with their friends. Like what we're doing, what's being asked of us while we are also working is not reasonable. It's not normal. It's not possible to give our all to everything and have it go well. But we are doing a, I was just going to really swear and I'm holding myself back, but we're doing an amazing job. Amazing job. I'm so proud of what Maddie and I have done for the boys. All of you out there with children at home should be so proud of just getting through the day. I put so much pressure on myself to do such a great job with their school. And it's taken me weeks to come around to the fact that um, I don't have to do it all. And I don't have to do it all well, nor do they. Um, We've got to just make it work and do what we can. And I think that we've all found our groove and adjusted. And uh, I'm just proud of all of us. But I have to say my second grader had his... um, big sort of project culmination today on zoom. We're in a project based curriculum at our school. And, um, I am so glad this lemonade stand project is over. I mean, I was like sweating bullets about it and working on it with him for weeks between like making videos and taking photos and compiling and uploading and practicing presentations. Forget the fact that we actually also did the whole business and, bought and prepared and created a distance lemonade stand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh my God. I'm so glad it's over. I'm so glad it's over. But as my husband said, it's like college where you're just like obsessing over what you have to do all the time. And like, you know, you could just do it or you would do well to just blow something off now and again. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, how do you blow things off? 
I don't know how to do that. Someone teach me how to blow things off. I know how to blow off a workout or blow off eating a healthy meal or blow off doing some of my own business work. <laughs> but I don't know how to blow off schoolwork, it turns out. I mean, there have been some really old behaviors like coming to light here, which again, I think we are all seeing ourselves in a new light. Our personalities are on blast, but I digress. I'm so proud of all of us having kids at home, doing our jobs, doing the schooling and cooking and cleaning and laundry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And also trying to live our lives, take care of ourselves is very, very hard, even with very supportive husbands and partners. I have one who does 50% of almost everything around here, and it's still really hard. And you know, so I'll come back to being the mom. It's different because I'm the mom. And they rely on me emotionally in a way that they just don't with their dad. They have such a closeness with him. And he's incredible and so supportive and so involved, but I'm the mom and I manage 95% of the emotional breakdowns, not just manage, but I'm presented with them. The emotional breakdowns are with me and there is this sense of them needing me for those things in a much bigger way than they did before. It's all exacerbated right now by what's going on. It's all just, it's multiplied. It feels bigger. It feels louder. I mean, just all of it. So I realized last night, like I'm just exhausted by being needed in this deeply emotional way all the time. Um, so yeah, it's just different for moms. It just is. And we go through life in a very different way, I think, than parents do who are dads. Um, and it's a great privilege and honor to be a mom, of course. You know, I myself um, worked very hard to become a mom. You know, I've been thinking about sort of my story of becoming a mom a lot recently. I don't know why, but it just has sort of come up for me recently and it did on Mother's Day, which is that um, I started thinking about trying to have a baby in 2007, more than thinking, let's say casually trying without clocking days and hours and temperatures in 2007. And it was um, three and a half years later, gosh, seven, eight, nine, ten, four and a half years. I can't even count almost four and a half years later that I had a baby. So I guess it was three and a half years later that I got pregnant, um, with the help of not in vitro, but, um, certain medications and going to the fertility clinic and having my ovulation monitored and having, um, taking these drugs and, you know, trying to conceive at certain times. And so, you know, I did have quote unquote intervention. It was not as invasive as many people have with IVF um, or really as complicated, but it was, you know, several years of pain and anguish emotionally and um, 
then a a process I had to really focus on the first time around. And, um, you know, and I just, I have so many good friends who have, who had trouble conceiving and had to, you know, take care of that in various ways and dear friends who have had multiple miscarriages. And it's just, it's a real, um, it can be a real struggle, you know, becoming a mother in so many ways. And so I, I don't take it lightly, this honor and this gift and this privilege that I have of being a mother. I really wanted it. I wanted it so much. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I never in a million years imagined that I would struggle to conceive. You know, um, my mom used to always call me a fertile turtle. I mean, my mom had such a way of saying things when we were growing up. I was telling someone this the other day that she, my mom is still alive, but she, she has Alzheimer's. Um, she won't be listening to this podcast. Um, I speak about her with respect and love, but I can share some of these stories, honestly, that, you know, she's never had a filter. She has even less of one now, but she just had no boundaries with what she talked to us about. I mean, we were like middle school age girls and she was sharing things with us that were wildly inappropriate. And that was just the way she was. You know, someone was asking me the other day, well, how did she come around to even saying that thing to you? Some crazy story I told that I will spare dear listeners here today. And I said, you know, she just had a way of just saying it. It was like pass the ketchup and blah, blah, blah. She would just say it and not thinking about the fact that it was 12 year old ears who were listening. Um, or, or, not even that I was just 12 or that Mary was just 12 when she would say certain things, but like how we would take that in, like what that would mean to us. I mean, just crazy things, but she had a way of just saying them. And anyway, she never minced words. And she also had really funny things she would say, like just weird phrases and, and just, um, things she would just decide we're true or describe us as. And anyway, she used to call me a fertile turtle. And I don't know if it was because I had like a really regular heavy period maybe. But um, so I had that in my head forever. And I was like, and that was like, probably the full sex talk that I got from my mom, like about conception and birth control was probably like, you need to be careful because you're a fertile turtle. I mean, I, I got no proper sex talk from my mom. I can tell you that. That's another story. Um, but I never thought I would struggle to conceive. So when I did, it really took me by surprise. And it certainly was also during a time when all of my friends were having babies or already had, or then were having multiple children. And it was a very, very hard. So I'm very sensitive to that challenge that people have. I've been through it. Um, and I am on the other side of it. I have these beautiful six and a half and eight year old eight and a half year old healthy children who I'm just beyond grateful for every day. Um, and there were days where I never thought that that would happen. Um, and so, you know, it's, it takes a lot to become a mom, not just growing the baby inside of you and getting it out of your body and then figuring out how to care for it. But sometimes just even getting pregnant, 
then of course there's a whole nother journey once you have the children. And I've just been amazed at just the honor and the privilege that I feel about parenting, but also truly how hard it is. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. And maybe I'd heard that before I had children. I don't know. I I vaguely remember Oprah always saying on her show that being a stay-at-home mom is the hardest job on earth. And I remember always thinking like, wow, okay, like you're Oprah. And you're saying that that's the hardest job on earth. Um, But there's no way to express how hard being a mom or a parent is until you do it. And I, I also want to give the caveat that it is the hardest thing on the planet to do if you are doing it well. I really believe that. Like if you are really focused on doing it well. And I do think, you know, we're of a generation where we think a lot about our parenting. I mean, we've all heard about helicopter parents, but just this generation of parenting beyond helicoptering is just so hyper-focused on understanding our parenting, but also dissecting and um, analyzing every step and every move and how we're doing. And we're always sort of rating ourselves. Like, did we do a good job with that? Well, how did we handle this? How could we have done it better? And we really beat up on ourselves about how we do things. And we really like look back at it like, you know, how did we do? And we grade ourselves almost and we make ourselves feel bad. I mean, we just put so much focus on how we are as parents, right? And I can tell you growing up in the 80s, our parents were not focused on their parenting in that way. I'm not saying it was easy for them and they made a lot of sacrifices and they worked hard and they were very involved in our lives. Many of them, most of them, and they gave, for me, I had a lot of advantages. I had, you know, I had parents who, while they were divorced, were were very involved. I mean, yes, they drove me to and from dance classes. And yes, I was at a great school and they took me to piano lessons and they came to my performances and they did all the things, right? Like they were great in all the ways that a parent was meant to be great then. But there was not this culture of parenting and like parenting as sport, you know, and like how you're doing as a parent or as a mom, like, how do you measure up? And like everything in life, social media makes that worse. I mean, you know, with the Pinterest and the Instagram and the Facebooking, I mean, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day that she's seeing all these stay at home moms who are not juggling career and uh, homeschool during this time. Um, she's seeing these stay at home moms who are like on steroids during this time, posting every single thing they're doing with homeschool all the time in a way that makes it look easy, in a way that makes it look perfect, in a way that just shows that they're handling it in this amazing way. And of course, we know that social media is our highlight reel. And so often there's very little realness there. And, 
you know, I feel that it's our duty to share some realness there because that's what people need is realness and authenticity and not just to feel like shit about themselves. But I think a lot of moms, especially during this time, are feeling terribly about themselves because they feel like they're failing at everything. And then they see the highlight reels, you know, of people who are making the perfect cakes and the perfect dioramas and the amazing presentations. And, you know, the reality is that there's a lot of screaming, fighting, arguing, struggle behind the scenes there, but no one's showing that. Um, so thank you, social media for that. But the point is that, you know, in this time that we live in right now, with parenting as a sport and parenting as a thing that we are measuring, it's really hard on moms because we, we're not just like, you know, doing our jobs and getting our kids to and from school and making sure they're clean and making meals and doing that. But we're also analyzing, like, how are we handling every situation? Did we handle that properly? Like, how do we measure up in the grand scheme? Are we helping them become thoughtful, interesting creatures? Are we showing them how to handle their emotions properly? Are we teaching them skills? Are they well-rounded? Like we're just looking at things in such a crazy way. Um, I would just say an exaggerated way. And it's sort of our cross to bear in this generation as parents. And so, you know, again, like I had a I had a mom who was very involved. Well, no, I had a mom who was there. Like she was, she was there. She did the thing. She drove me to school. She picked me up. There was food in the refrigerator. There was food on the table. She got me to and from my classes. She was, you know, supportive in her way. But you know, what she didn't do was sit down and talk to me about my feelings. Um, communicate with me about hard things as it related to social things at school or experiences I was facing or challenges I was facing or um, things I was going through. Um, and I know she wasn't analyzing the way in which she was parenting my sister and me. I mean, if anything, we were I don't know. We were just like a part of the landscape. You know, it wasn't something that, that I think, um, she was measuring herself by like, I am a good parent or am I a good mom? Am I doing a good job? Whereas we today as moms are thinking not just every day, but nonstop all day, every day, Am I doing a good job? Am I a good mom? Am I doing right by them? Are they okay? What are they going to think about me? What's my legacy as a mom? I mean, oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Are you with me? I know I'm not the only one. Um, I know I'm not the only one. We are women living in the world right now. Right now. <laughs> going through this. I mean, this is real. And for you men or dads listening, if you don't know this yet, newsflash, this is what's in mom's minds. And this is what's going on between moms now. And I do think dads too, 
question their parenting in a way that they never have before and also are involved in a way that they never have been before. Um, And that's a beautiful thing. While my dad was very um, so loving and so consistent and present and reliable, um, it just looked different, you know? I mean, I see Maddie sitting down to do schoolwork with these kids almost every day doing math that I don't want to do with them. I see him, you know, every day going on runs and bike rides with them, throwing baseballs, um, thinking about what they might have to eat. I mean, folding laundry, like he's, well, my dad was a great laundry folder, but he was a divorced dad and my dad made a huge effort to cook. And I do think having divorced parents kind of amped up the dad's role in many ways, um, 30 years ago. Uh, but you know, when I see the way Maddie's involved, I just, it's, it's very different, let's say from, um, a lot of the ways I saw my friend's dad's involved growing up. Um, so, you know, it's just parenting is no joke. And I think because of the physical nature of it, And the emotional and mental and spiritual, it's just, it's a lot. And, you know, so in talking about being a mom and becoming a mom and what it's like to be a mom and how hard it is, but also the other side of it is that it's so wonderful and gratifying and, you know, so just incredible to be able to nurture these little people. It's also so incredible to feel their love and that's something that I enjoy so much and that I get so much out of is that there are these people who appreciate me and want me around and, and need me. And, and I, I like being needed and that feels really meaningful to me. And that may sound really weird, you know, or it kind of feels strange to say, like, I like having children cause I like to be needed. It makes me feel good. But you know what? It does. I like taking care of them. I like making their meals. I like making sure they have clean clothes. I like making sure that they're, you know, that they have what they need. And I love seeing them happy. And, you know, one of the most loving things, I've said this to Maddie so many times, one of the most loving things my mom ever did for me was that she always washed and folded and ironed my clothes in such a beautiful way. And she would set them out in beautiful piles in my room. And I don't know. It's like I almost understood that when I was a child, how loving that was. And honestly, maybe it was because in so many ways she was not nurturing. She's just not a nurturing, warm, uh, physically affectionate person or really verbally affectionate. Um, Even though we knew that she loved us and you know, really came to know how proud she was of us. Um, she was never effusive. Um, you know, I've said many times that she's much more nurturing and effusive with my children than she ever was with us. And I have really enjoyed being able to see that over the years, but yeah, it was like, I sort of knew on this deep soulful level that the way she did the laundry for me was such a really, um, significant way that she was showing her love and care. 
And so I think it really manifests in different ways for different people. But I've really carried that with me from her. That's one big thing that I can make sure that they're clean and taken care of, you know, and, and, um, my mom, God love her. Not a great cook. I mean, she made a few things really well. Lasagna, blueberry muffins, really crispy, thin Toll House chocolate chip cookies. But she always put food on the table. You know, dinner was always made. I mean, we could have played hockey with the pork chops and the broccoli was gray and drenched in water and margarine, but she put food on the table. Even if she was rushing out the door every night to a rehearsal for a play or a show she was in, because she was an actress and a singer and a performer, she put food on the table. She may not have been there all the time, but lots of times she was, and we would watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, and there was food on the table, and that's something that I can do for my children too. And the other thing that my mom always let us do that I think a lot about um, with my kids and this is probably one of the most significant things that I took from the way she parented us into the way I parent my children is that she let us be so creative and personally expressive and she let us wear whatever we wanted to wear and she didn't criticize what we wore or tell us we look crazy or that we didn't match or, you know, the only thing she would ever give us a hard time about was having bare legs when it was cold out. And, of course, she came from an, an era where you always wear stockings or hose on your legs and not bare legs. And she would always say, you have bare legs? Aren't you going to get cold or wet hair? Aren't you going to catch cold? But she let us wear whatever we wanted to wear. And that just, you know, fostered such creative expression in us. Um, and we put together crazy outfits and we sewed and we bedazzled. And remember, a lot of this was in the 80s. So like Mary, especially my sister was rocking like a lot of rhinestones, pearl necklaces, baggy belts, blousey tops, like torn ripped sweatshirts homemade whatever's too many piercings in the ears that were done at home blue eyeliner hairspray like all the things and it always horrified my dad our personal expression through our clothing he was not feeling it he wanted us to be in like pleated skirts knee socks cardigan sweaters that sort of a thing but my mom, you know, she was an actress. And so she saw it as, I think, theatrical and expressive in such an amazing way. And I will always, always be grateful to her for that because we were able to be so expressive. And she also let us do it with our bedrooms. And I would paint my walls and hang different posters all the time and feng shui. Before I even knew what feng shui was, I would move my furniture around all the time to give myself a little spring in my step by, by, um, you know, moving the furniture. And it's funny, I didn't realize that was a thing that people did until another friend I made who's in her 40s was like, did you always move your furniture around in the 80s? I was like, yeah, like I was always bored. We were bored so much, you know, and I would like move my furniture around. You couldn't always get your friends on the phone when you wanted to talk. You know, you had no idea where your friends were if they weren't at home and they weren't with you and you hadn't made plans to hang out at the pool. Um, 
but my mom just let us decorate our rooms and be so expressive. And I had friends who had the most decorated rooms, like the draperies were beautiful floral that coordinated with the bedspreads and the beautiful accent carpet. And oh my gosh, just amazing bedrooms I can think of growing up. Um, and mine was like ragtag, you know, I mean, yeah, there, I had like lovely sheets and bed and lots of pretty things, but it was just completely peppered with my own crazy stuff, whether it was like posters of Marilyn Monroe and James Dean, that was like a thing. Then I was into all those posters or whatever, you know, I was like expressing myself in my, in my own ways. And she fully appreciated that and supported that. So I took that with me. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't think I learned how to like communicate with my children from my mom. I don't think I learned how to, um, you know, sort of move through life as a mom from her. Um, but there are ways that she let us just be that I fully appreciate and have really taken with me and that I really hope I can continue to, you know, offer to my children because that sense of creative freedom is so important towards finding really who you are in life and who you want to be and just not feeling stifled and not feeling self-conscious. And, um, that's a beautiful thing. So I'm really thankful for that. And I know that every mom is doing the best she can and, you know, taking what she learned from her own mom and putting her own spin on it. And that's what my mom was doing. And it's what I'm doing. And, you know, I know there was so much love there. And of course I have so much love here for my boys and, I just, yeah, I guess I just wanted to take a minute to say that being a mom is worth an episode. Talking about being a mom, giving love to all the moms, love to my mom, love to all the moms I've loved. You know, I had a grandmother who I loved and she was my dad's mom and she was wonderful and just so cozy and loving. And I know my dad learned how to be so affectionate from her and she just adored us. But then there have been these other moms in my life, other women who I've been so close with, who I really learned so much from them and from loving them. Um, one, one is Courtney's mom, my best friend who I've talked about here. And she really taught me how to love and how to be nurturing in ways that I really, um, carry on into my own parenting. You know, every time I scratch my son's backs before bed, you know, that came from her or rub their feet or their hands or stroke their hair and really listen to what they have to say and what they're upset about that came from her. Um, and I loved her so much. And then, um, this other woman, Gay, who I had called my fairy godmother, um, who wasn't my godmother, but was a dear friend, came to be a dear friend when I was in my twenties. And she was 
about 28 years older than I was, but we were born on the same date, day, and had the same birthday and just clicked immediately. I lived with her in London and she just changed my life forever. And, um, she also taught me how to love in a very significant way and how to be nurturing. And the way she nurtured me was, um, so meaningful and um unfortunately both of those women have um passed away and I miss them terribly so many people miss them terribly but the thing is that that these many gifts that were given from these people who we've loved so much especially moms and maternal figures you know we really take it with us and carry it with us forever forever you know, Gay and Meg, those women in my life are not here, but the love that I learned and felt from them made an indelible mark on my heart and um, informs how I move through every single day, even if I'm not acknowledging it every day. And, and of course, things from my own mom too. And things from my own grandmother and things from other incredible women in my life. It just, you know, it, it's, we take these things with us. I talk a lot about the blueprint of our soul, you know, kind of what sits in the blueprint of our soul that we learn as we move through life and that we put to work for us or that we use in our communication or in our loving or in our relationships. And, um, there are so many things that we take with us and yeah I guess it's just we never know what has a big influence on us I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I also have a wonderful stepmother um, who's so classy and smart and created a beautiful family of her own and she's a very talented architect and chef and home interior designer. And, um, she's a very talented person who I learned a lot from about moving through life in a certain way, you know, holding yourself in high esteem and with respect. And, um, I don't know how to say that properly, but she's just a very, classy lady and I learned a lot about being classy from her and my wonderful mother-in-law who is just a powerhouse and so driven and smart and successful and devoted and just brilliantly creative and talented and an incredible grandmother and um certainly raised my husband in a way that has made him such an incredible husband because he is so helpful, so supportive, so connected, so involved. And she, um, she gave him a lot of things that have made him a great husband and I'm eternally grateful. So to all the moms, I send you so much love and I send all of you love who haven't been able to become moms in the way you might have expected, but who are fur moms and, um, to all the grandmothers and aunts, wonderful aunts. My sister is the greatest aunt ever and godmothers. 
We have some wonderful godmothers in our lives that Maddie and I have and my kids' godmothers. And um, just, yeah, I mean, do we need to say again how amazing women are? They just are. And I give you all such big love and hugs and hope you enjoyed listening to me go on and on about moms today and being a mommy. And um, it's always a wonderful job and it's always a hard job um, in this time or any time. And so there it is. You guys be well and I'll be back with you again soon. I hope you are finding some time for yourself even in a dark closet listening to a podcast or watching Bravo sometime find some time for yourself be well take care and hope you're getting some beautiful weather where you are to enjoy hope you enjoyed the rustling trees here and that it's not too noisy bye Thanks for listening today, guys. If you would, please subscribe to the podcast, pass it along to someone you think might like it and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It would really help so that more people can find Because Why Not? Thanks a lot. Bye.